Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 97 of Season 5 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Alan Sanders of The Alan Sanders Show and formerly of The Wilder Ride. Welcome back, Alan. Thank you. Now, technically, yes, formally in the sense that we haven't recorded anything in a while, but the show is still live. You can still go back and check out the older episodes of The Wilder Ride. Well, it depends on what you define as live. <laughs> it's still out there. It's still available. Available. Right. That's the way. There's just nothing's been added to it in quite some time, but that doesn't get rid of the uh, the existing content. You can go check it out. So far, I'm still making enough on the side in subscribers that I can offset the cost of hosting. So as long as that's going on, I'll keep it live. You're telling me that people are still paying to listen to something that doesn't have any new content? That's I've had really people cool. join. I've had people join uh, the Patreon just while they were listening to a season, and then they unsubscribe. Like the, they just as a thank you for ah, okay. Hey, enjoyed the content. Here's you know. Whatever. Okay, that, that's fair. Minute 97 begins with John falling down the staircase like Gerald Ford and ends with John travel, trying to find a way to park the Red Sea of Dulles. Well done. I like the reference. People who may not know where you're broadcasting from, that's a good one. <laughs> it's it, it wasn't meant to be a biblical reference, but it just it, it worked so well. So I was like, you, all right, You didn't think the Red not? Sea was a biblical reference? <laughs> no, I'm saying I know it is, but it, oh. that wasn't the plan. The plan wasn't to say, okay, I'm going to try and do something biblical. It was something that oh. it just it, it just, just worked so happen. well. It just looked that way. That's how you would say, all right, we'll, we'll say Universal Studios, uh, you know, parting parting of the Red Sea from uh, Charlton has, uh, from from you know the 1950s classic, uh, the Ten Commandments, Cecil B. the Mills. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Sorry, I did not mean to trigger that. <laughs> Trigger away, trigger away. <laughs> so yeah, we we ended things yesterday with, you know, we 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 had un- unfortunately there there was a little bit of a death, you know, someone got their their throat slit, and we started understanding what's going on here, and John started trying to maybe understand what's going on here, and then this minute just starts with, you know, we see Marvin down in his basement playing with uh, some sort of machine. I mean, he's got some sort of uh, 1990 uh, machine with lights. You know, it's just, it looks like a light bright. You know, it's like, it's <laughs> just a whole bunch of lights flipping on and off. And then in the background, we, we see, you know, a flight of stairs with, with lots of smoke around. Cause you know, you gotta have smoke in the basement, uh, you know, in Dallas, why not, you know? Mm-hmm. And well, all this, all the steam from all the uh, old infrastructure and pipes and radiators helping to keep the uh, everything up warm above. That's right. That's right. And then uh, we 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 see a figure just fall down the stairs, you know, which, which is great. I I think it they do it really well. I mean, obviously it's not really John. It is a stuntman who is doing it, but it's still done really well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it, it got me thinking about, you know, falling downstairs and stuff like that. I mean, I mentioned earlier about Gerald Ford, right? Well, I don't, why don't we even start with that one? So what do you know about the, the story about Gerald Ford, about falling down and stuff like that? I, I understood the reference, but I don't know a whole lot behind it. Right. So Gerald Ford, uh, who was 38th president, he 
two times during the course of, of his administration, he actually fell down flights of stairs. Okay. And mm-hmm. so Saturday Night Live, which had just started uh, not long beforehand, uh, decided that they were going to make fun of it. And in just about every episode, Chevy Chase, uh, who was playing Ford, would fall down places. I mean, nowadays, you know, we, 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 we see it from Biden also. We're, we're not getting into political stuff here. But, you know, it, it happens. You know, you, you do have presidents that, that, that seem to fall. Uh, so, you know, it, it's just great the way that he falls down the, the stairs here. It just reminded me of Gerald Ford and the whole thing. Do you, do you know how many people uh, die from falling down the stairs every year? Any clue? Um, I'm going to probably guess it's a lot more than people realize. You know, other, other forms of people being killed or, or deaths tend to get more uh, headlines. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was several thousand every year. There are approximately – there's an estimated – Okay, let's put it that way. 12,000 people who die every year in the U.S. from falling downstairs. Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. It's crazy. Um, it, it, but it, it is, you would never get the headlines. You'll never hear a news story about it. You'll only know about it if it's somebody you know. Or it's the president. Or um, it's somebody like famous, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, when I was doing a search, it was like showing, showing me all these cel- celebrities that fell, you know, during award shows or things like that. But I, I don't really care about that. It, was, it wasn't as – interesting you know that that you know that someone walking up to the you know to the stage trips on her dress is not the same as you know falling down a flight of stairs um it is the second leading cause of accidental death in the home and workplace huh. uh following what do you think the number one would be in the workplace no uh, it, well it says here accidental injuries in the home and workplace i would uh, you, say you probably won't guess one, it because you're gonna think it's something else. That's the thing. No, no, I would say number one, probably like like electrocution. No, it's actually uh, motor vehicle accidents. You know. Oh, okay. You know, I was gonna say something like that, but I'm like, but that's not technically in the home. Right. Exactly. That that, that that's why I knew you would you would go somewhere else uh, because of the way that that was phrased. But that's the way the article phrases it. It's mm-hmm. it's very interesting. All right. Um. Obviously, the the most people at risk are elderly. Elderly. And uh, the the second most at risk for falling, not necessarily to get killed, but to to, to fall and get injured is is what children. Not only Probably children, but like but infants, infants. Toddlers. That's right. There's approximately seventy three thousand children between the ages of six months and two years that that get have gotten injured on stairs or steps yearly. Generally, if anybody is a parent out there, you know that's about the time they'll start crawling around. That's right, and that's why you're supposed to have they're those little okay gates. They're usually when they're zero <laughs> to six and just laying there. Not a whole lot of mobility, but I tell you right. what, you, you got to pay attention to those boogers because you think they get they'll, they'll be inching around just a couple of uh, you know just a little bit one day. Next thing you know, they're across the room. That's right, correct. And uh, you know, obviously, uh, the the main causes of stairway falls are uh, damaged or faulty handrails. Uh, hazardous stair risers, broken steps, slippery tr- slippery treads, mm-hmm. or just idiots. Um, no. <laughs> Have you ever it done doesn't that? say you're that. Going it down doesn't. the stairs and you miscalculate and you think you're at the bottom and there's one more to go. Of course. <laughs> I of hate course. that. And, like, and, whoa. <laughs> well, it's it's almost as bad as you know if you think that you're if you don't think you're at the bottom. 
and then you have, think you have another step to go also. Right. You know, no, it's the same way. It's either you miss a step or you forget that there is no more steps. It could be either. <laughs> yeah. In either case, um, you, and, you're, and you think to yourself, especially when it happens in your house, you're pretty familiar with your own staircase. And That's how right. does that happen? It's done. Tw I've done this twice where I think I'm at the bottom and I've got one more to go. But thankfully, I still have my balance and I end up going down, literally taking a leap down two two steps instead of just one. But coming up, thinking I've got one more at the top of the stairs, and I'm like, and I go, and I stumble into the hallway, like, whoa, okay, I'm already here. Right, and it, it usually happens, you know, when you're carrying stuff. You know, it doesn't happen when you're just casually going down the stairs. You have oh, to no. be like carrying a big, you know, uh, 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 like a whole bunch of boxes or 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 something heavy or whatever it is. That's when that happens. Yeah. I'm bringing, you know, 17 boxes down stacked on one another from the attic to try to put up all of our Christmas stuff. And then that's I'm like, right. whoa. <laughs> exactly. And then it sprawls all over the place. And, you know, and well, the, the first thing, the first thing that our fall. spouses will usually say is, is, is everything in the box is okay before they ask if right. we are okay. Right. You know. Did you hurt the tree? <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't happen in my house, but yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, well, I... <laughs> Uh, you box up, once again, you box up your tree? Uh, the tree is, yeah, it's in three separate totes because it's an artificial. Oh, okay. And so we actually put it in totes, and it makes it a little bit easier than trying to jam them all in one box that it came in. Uh, okay, makes sense. Easier to set back up next year. Okay, that makes sense. And what about your Festivus pole? The Festivus pole is always available. We we don't we I know Festivus is the twenty third, but we we celebrate feats of strength and um and 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 uh, what do you call it? Uh, my grand disappointments around the table all the time. Oh, okay, all right. As long as that's there, that's fine. <laughs> yes, I do have my Festivus pole. For you folks who don't know what Festivus is, you're missing out. Yeah, look look up Seinfeld if you're if you're familiar, <laughs> or if you're unfamiliar. Oh. There, oh yeah, it's what do you call it? It's the uh, the utterance of grievances or something. I think the official thing is like we go through and like until I finish my list of grievances, and then the evening doesn't end until we have uh, feats of strength. In which case, you're supposed to beat the host of the festivus party at some kind of a match, a wrestling match. Right. Something in between, like by the way, do you know what the official meal is for festivus? I, I don't remember. It's meatloaf laid out on a on a leaf a uh, piece of lettuce. <laughs> Oh well, you can you can always count on Frank Costanza. <laughs> I tell you, I know more about Festivus than I really ought to. <laughs> Probably. And it's not Probably. because of Seinfeld. Ironically, talk about taking us off on a rabbit trail. Um, I had to fill in uh, with the the local Atlanta affiliate one holiday, and it was actually on the twenty third. So I looked up a bunch of information on Festivus for people, thinking I'd get a lot of people calling about what they do, and some people didn't even know anything about it. They had never heard of it before. And I was like, are you kidding? How do you not know a Festivus? So and did, did anyone ask stuff. you questions? Oh, yeah. People were like, well, what are you talking about? What is it? And I explain where it came from. And then some would call in and say, oh, yeah, I love that. But I didn't know anything about the feats of strength. Or I forgot about the meatloaf on the bed of on the bed of lettuce or whatever, on the lettuce leaf. So <laughs> I looked up all this stuff for show prep. And, it was, and now it's stuck in my head forever. Okay, that's good. That's good because that, that helps us here today. You know. I mean, I've I've seen the episode numerous times, but I didn't remember all the different specifics. I just remember there's a Festivus poll. That's all I remember. Yeah, I yeah. have a feeling it, it's gotten supplemented and augmented by followers of the Festivus tradition over the years. So 
but uh, that's that's where that's where we are at least right now. Wait, was it was it a a real event before Seinfeld, or it only became no. something after? No, it became something after. Like it literally, the 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 people who watch Seinfeld love the idea of this this non festivist uh, festivist for the rest of us. For those right. people who didn't know what to de- celebrate, what to decorate, you just don't know what to do. You don't want to even get involved. Just put up a pole. That's it. Just a steel pole. Nothing right. on it. No, because one of the things that I remember is that one of the things that they that that Seinfeld is very notorious for is that every year they would basically fire all their writers because they would writers they, they would use all their writer stories for all the different things that were going on, and then they wouldn't have any new stories for the following year, so they'd have to get new writers to get new stories. So hmm. interesting. Well, if you need one more just useless fact to have in the back of your head. The guy responsible Always. for creating that episode is Dan O'Keefe. He Ooh. was the writer on Seinfeld at that time. Um, and uh, O'Keefe said that it was something that he pulled from his own childhood. I think it was something his dad, who I think he kind of, I think I guess Frank Costanza may have had some embellishments from Dan O'Keefe's own father to create that role. Okay, so, you see, there, there, there you go. It was something that was based on uh, something real. Mm-hmm. You know, how real is a different question, but, you know. But I don't think anyone really knew a lot about it. <laughs> I don't know how many people were like, yes, Dan O'Keefe Sr., the inventor of Festivus. I, I don't even think today people, they're, they're going to they're gonna blame it on Seinfeld because it was the son, Daniel O'Keefe Jr., who literally wrote the episode. Right. <laughs> Very interesting. So our, our good friend uh, Marvin runs over and, and notices that it's John and he goes, Jesus, officer, where'd you come from? Pearl Harbor. You know, it's a funny line, but I don't get it. You're not in Hawaii. You're not in World War II. The only thing I can think about is it looks like, because of the angle of the staircase, like you're on a ship. Like that's the angle that you would have on most of your ships. Your your uh, stairwells from one level to the next are very, very um, sharp. They, you have to use both hands. It's like almost climbing up a ladder. Well, you see, I have a feeling, though, that it's more related to the fact that Tom Bauer's character, Marvin, is supposed to be a World War II veteran. Because, right. you know, later this week, later this week, he's going to mention another uh, World War II site. You yeah, know, so maybe but, maybe but he... why call why use that as the joke? Where'd you come from? Pearl Harbor. The only thing mm-hmm. is, obviously, we associate ships going down at Pearl Harbor. And right. it looks like you, you could argue the angle and the, and the, and the, the shot. If you said this was on board a ship, you could sell it because of that yes. stairwell. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. I, I definitely agree. But no, but what I'm saying is, is that maybe the idea is supposed to be that this character was at Pearl Harbor. Okay. I mean, Tom Bauer, there's no way that he was in Pearl Harbor because Tom Bauer was born in 1938. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, when, when this movie came out in 1990, so well, he was 52. He definitely does not look 52. <laughs> no, he looks a little older. He looks a lot older than 52. <laughs> okay, so here you have a character who's 52 that's supposed to be playing someone in his 70s. You know, at that point. Because anyone who would have been at Pearl Harbor or Iwo Jima, you know, spoiler alert, that, that's going to come up later this week. You know, those things happened in the 40s. So that means he would have had to have been born in, 20 years earlier. Mm-hmm. For that to happen. So, I mean, I, I decided to look up a little bit of the stats of Pearl Harbor. Do you know how many uh, battleships there were in 
that they were anchored in Pearl Harbor and how many of them were sunk? Um, uh, I, I know the, most of the fleet, most of the Pacific fleet was there, which was a big disaster, um, which made it so easy to take some of those ships down. Was it at least five, five ships that were at least sunk or no. damaged? Wait, no. Well, so again, we're talking just about the battleships. Just battleships. I, okay. I Actually, you know what? I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you credit for that five because what it says here is very strange. There were there were eight battleships that were that were in uh, Pearl Harbor at the time. Four of them were sunk. Four of them were damaged, and then it says one X battleship was sunk. So I don't know what an X battleship is, <laughs> mm. but so if if it says that there are eight, but they give us a total of nine. So I, I don't know what an X battle. Maybe it means that it was a battleship that was that that was already you know decommissioned. You know. Yeah. Yeah. If it was a, I'm sure that's what, I'm sure that's what it was. It was either being decommissioned, it wasn't in use, but it was still on the base. Right. There were 30 destroyers that were there, but only three destroyers were damaged, which I find really very interesting. I think you they know, were parked further out. Could be. I think when the Japanese came in, the carriers and the battleships were all real close together. And if you're going to have a strike that you only get one chance at it, you're not going to go for the smaller ships. You're going to there take were out no the there were no carriers there were no aircraft carriers. Sorry, battleships. My bad, battleships. Right. I didn't. They just yeah. took out battleships. That's all they took out. Um, so I found I found that you know they have battleships, you have cruisers. Um, there were three cruisers that were damaged, three destroyers damaged, three other ships damaged. Um, aircraft. How many uh, aircraft do you think they had there? Uh, the Navy probably had a few planes, maybe a couple dozen, but the Army Air Corps probably, well, based on that base, more than 100. There were 390 aircraft. Total. Okay, but how many yes. were damaged? Okay, so three to 390 total. How many uh -huh. do you think were, how many were destroyed and how many were damaged? Uh, I'm going to go with like 150, like half of them. Okay, very close. 188 were destroyed. All right. And 159 were damaged. Wow. So how, how many does that leave? Not many. <laughs> not, not, not many at all. It, there were That means a total of 347 aircraft were either damaged or destroyed. You know, so therefore of 390, so you had 33 planes that were not destroyed. That's just, I mean... You got to give them credit. They 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 did a lot of damage there. Yes, they did. Well, you know the the base was caught unawares. Um, they it was a it was a logistical nightmare. Everything was parked on top of one another, just about. That's you, right. You no know, one could get out. And right. they and I think one of the battleships when they sunk it, it like basically blocked the the exit. And uh, have you ever been to Pearl Harbor? I mean, when you were in the Navy, I, they never nope. sent you there. No, never went to Pearl Harbor. I've never been to Hawaii, but I will tell you, if I ever get a chance to go to Hawaii, I do plan to stop by the uh, memorial for the USS Arizona and obviously take a tour of, of Pearl Harbor itself. Yeah, yeah, I would love to do that one day also, but I, I for some reason, don't think I'm ever going to get to Hawaii, <laughs> but who knows? You know, th things could happen. Mm -hmm. um, how many sailors do you think were, do, were killed that day? Oh, it was a lot. Um well over 2,000, like 24, 2,500. Okay. Well, I just was talking about sailors. So there were 2,008 sailors, okay, 109 Marines, 208 soldiers, 
68 civilians with a total of 2,403. So you, you were you were great okay. with that with the 2,400. You got that. You got that right. Obviously, the, this was the 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 most amount of people that were killed um, prior to to 9/11. You know when the, the, when they right. surpassed that number. The total of people wounded. You have uh, nearly 1,200 people were were wounded, both military and civilians. It was. It it was bad. It was a, I mean, it got us into World War Two. A lot of, and this is where. Do you want to play conspiracy that Roosevelt, FDR knew, he was given the intelligence and was like, the only way I can mobilize our country to enter World War Two is to let this happen. Um, it is possible. It is possible. I mean, I'm sure that that you like like myself have seen numerous. Uh, movies that deal with uh, everything that goes on that happened at Pearl Harbor, not just the movie Pearl Harbor, you know that that. Uh, oh, that would be the least factual one to watch. Um, they they get a lot right there. I mean, the the, the love story aspect is is the problem of the movie, but the you know, it it's a, it's a nice action film. Let's put that. Um, but I mean, you have movies like From Here to Eternity, and you have um, Tora Tora Tora. Which, which Tor, Tor, Tor I, I just rewatched it uh, a few weeks ago. It, I mean, it's just amazing watching how everything was put together. You know, the 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 you know, looking in hindsight at the plan that the Japanese you know set up, it's just amazing that they were able to to pull something off. I mean, today with with today's technology, I don't think a country would be able to pull off something that big. But it had a lot to do with the fact that that you know. There, there was, you know, there were no satellites at the time. There were, no, you know, nowadays you'd catch most of these. Things. There were a lot of coincidences back then, also when, when you know, people saw a group of air aircraft coming and they said, "Oh, those are ours." You know? Right, the early radar, and I was reading a lot about that. Some of the early radar dismissed it as either uh, flocks of birds. Or they weren't tuned properly, and so they didn't know whether or not it was actual aircraft. There's just there several things that I've read along the way, and I don't know what's been solidified, but you had some people going, no, no, we're picking up on something. And people are like, no, no, we're not going to report something if we don't know for sure what it right. is. You know, Again, failure of just had you picked up the phone, that could have been the difference of maybe a few more minutes warning, even if they were going to dismiss your phone call, but they chose not Correct. to. Correct. But obviously all of the movies that we mentioned before, they, they try to show that – you know, that there were people who knew and tried to stop things, but no one paid attention to them, you know? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think just anybody who's a tactician, you know, there were military operative operatives and intelligence officials who were like, why are we stacking all of these ships? Why are we, why are we bringing them all? Like the, the, the concern of even in a, if, even if the U S is not involved in the war, it's just not smart to stack all of your top assets, one on top of the right. other. Right. You see, I only found out just, uh, a few years ago, I, I never even noted, realized that that they they attacked numerous places at the same time. It was a coordinated attack. It wasn't just Hawaii. Did you know that? No. Well, not that's. I, I'm just thinking of the, what I know about specifically Pearl Harbor. But I didn't. There know were attacks. The there were attacks hit. that day uh, at the same time in the Philippines, Guam, Wake Island, uh, Malaya, Singapore, and Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know how big the other. No, they were. weren't. No, no, they Pearl weren't. The they big. obviously weren't as big as Pearl Harbor, but the idea was is that right. you know they did have this coordinated attack, which. Uh, and that might make sense if you're trying to create a lot of confusion about where and what's going on. If you, again, early communication, we're not we're not living in today's 21st century world. Um, 
yeah, you, you start getting reports of attacks from multiple places in the Pacific, it, it takes your eye off of maybe what's going on at Pearl Harbor just long enough as well. Maybe that's the right. point. Sure. No, but also the communication between all these places was probably not that easy either. So they probably only found out about some of the other attacks afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I don't I, I'd have to research it. That's interesting. But I, I got to imagine a lot of those areas were bases or at least had a U.S. presence. Yes. There would have been some kind of communication back. <clears throat> Once again, I don't know. I, I can only surmise why you would have multiple is to try to create as much confusion yeah. as mm -hmm. possible. That's right. For sure. Okay, so back to Die Hard 2. That's the movie we're talking <laughs> about, right? Yeah. Yes, I think yeah. so. Okay. So, you know, Marvin tries to help John. John is, is trying to catch his breath, you know, which I, I guess he just ran in from, you know, from from uh, the snow. <laughs> the man who came in from the mm -hmm. cold. There you go. <laughs> and, and then uh, John starts groaning and stuff like that, trying to catch his breath. And then the the shot changes, and we're 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 in a new studio, or actually in a a uh, yeah TV news studio, and we see them getting ready. We see the the anchor women getting ready. It's once again shows us this w, WZDC TV, uh, which which we, we all know is Thornburg's uh, station because you know he called them up uh, last week, and they're, they're everyone's running around getting ready. They have you know you you probably are more familiar with this you know having all the people come around. You know, doing the makeup and doing all that stuff. I, I, you know, I only see these things in movies and TV. Right. Um, a lot of this is probably accurate, not quite as frenetic. I know they're going to a special news break, of, so they're doing that last minute tech touch up. Uh, they want to make sure that everybody looks great going on camera. This is back in the day of regular uh, broadcast, not HD. It's even worse today. I'll tell you, I've talked to a lot of television broadcasters. They have actual not just makeup and hair stylists on staff to make sure that they're ready to go for their broadcast, but to, to uh, like in a movie, freshen up between the, the, you know, when they're getting ready for the next half hour update, when they're going to go back to all the headlines or at the top of the hour, they also have wardrobe. They have to, with HD broadcast and now 4k broadcasts, they have to coordinate their wardrobes to make sure they don't clash. Um, yeah. So what you're seeing here is a lot like a movie set, but that's how they treat the, the news. The one thing that is different they wouldn't count down as fast as they did. I don't know if they just did it for the for the movie because you didn't need to hear them going five, four, like they. But they would normally count actual seconds so that way you're 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 synced with the clock. It's not just a right. five, four, three, two, one. It's the maybe you were watching it at a higher speed. <laughs> no, no, I was not. But I do like okay. I do like how it shows the number of people behind the scenes to get your broadcast ready to go for the, for the uh, nightly news, or in this case, a breaking right. special news bulletin. Exactly. And it's just a few seconds, but it still gives us an idea of the, the hustle and bustle that's going on here. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's great. By the I way, think, think here, here's great. something that maybe your listeners would find interesting. You know how the cameras move around the, the set of the, of the nightly news and they cut to like mm -hmm. the other person, then it cuts to the sports person and it comes back to the main desk. All yeah. of that used to be at least, here in Atlanta, all that used to be people behind those cameras, like you see in this shot. They've all been replaced by robotic cameras. They're all on dollies that move themselves. They know where to go when, but then it just means one person in the control room can actually hit a button that says move camera to this location rather than have to pay somebody to physically walk the camera. So everything is all automated now. Really? Oh, yes. wow. 
Well, no, but I'm assuming you have someone in the booth that still can can make changes if needed. Here's the no, I'm it's it's uh, controlled like by a, a touch screen. You can just say, okay, move camera from here to here, and it will just go. Nobody's. It's the weirdest thing. Do so you mean in what we see in the movies where you have the whole people and all the people in the control room and they're like, okay, uh, camera one, camera two, and stuff like that? It, it now it's just you know you're pushing down buttons to one instead or two of people. Period. That's it. And it, wow, this is the weirdest thing. I go on the set for WSB Television, and because it's in the same building where the radio station is, and you've got the the desk set up. We brought. Uh, I, I used to do things with student groups, so we would bring tour groups through there. You've got the weather desk and the and the green screen. You've got the sports desk. You've got the main desk. When you're in there, I've been in there when the two people that are on television reading the news to you, there's no one else in the room. It's like they're talking wow. into an empty room. It is so weird now. All the hair and makeup is done off-site. I mean, they, I mean, it's in the same facility, but like not in that room. But literally, there, it would be the weirdest thing. I thought I told my wife, I said, I can at least read the news knowing that the camera person's there and I see the director there and I see other people that I feel like I'm talking. Now you just have to look at the camera and you just talk like you're supposed to, but it's in an empty room. It's totally empty. Wow. I I remember when I was, when I was in college, so this was almost 30 years ago, you know, I had a a course that was uh, in, in broadcast journalism and I went to, you know, a lot of my classes were, were at a, a uh, news studio. Right. So because because one of my teachers was was a, the, the teacher of the course was a producer for for a new show. Mm-hmm. So I would go there and I would sit and watch it. And it would be the funniest thing because you'd have, you know, people show up and, and uh, you know, they're they're wearing uh, suit jackets with suit ties and then they're wearing shorts. Right. Because you don't see you don't see them under the desk. But nowadays that is completely different. Nowadays, you know, you can see everyone's legs. <laughs> You know, you can't get away with that as much. And people also get up a lot more and, you know, they're, they walk over and they start, uh, you know, showing different uh, stats on screens and stuff like right. that. There's a lot more, you know. uh, especially to make it feel like they're part of your family almost. Uh, a lot of the news desks have set up uh, couches and other areas where all of the anchors, when they're going to talk about maybe a feature story or bring someone that they want to interview, they'll actually bring them in the... And it's every morning. I see it in the studios because we keep one of our local affiliates on in, the, in case there's anything breaking out of the state of Georgia. And they'll all of a sudden be all sitting on the couch just yucking it up like they're just hanging out waiting to go do the news. It's, it's the, it's the oh, wildest wow. thing. Like trying to create this atmosphere of <laughs> we're all just in this room. We're chilling. We're giving you the news. We're going to go over here, sit on the couch for a little bit. Then we'll go back over behind the desk when it's time to deliver headlines, you know. Interesting. <clears throat> okay. Okay, so then the reporter, the, the the newscaster, she starts speaking and she goes, this is a special bulletin from WZDC News. There was a plane crash earlier this evening at Dulles, where other, uh, where other aircraft continue to circle with no explanation from airport or FAA officials. So, I mean, it's it's very interesting that, that, you know, we talked about this earlier when Samantha Coleman was giving her report about the crash, you know, that she somehow was able to get onto the the runway where the crash had happened even though you know the the whole airport is under lockdown because of the these terrorists you know even though they don't know that it's under lockdown but they're still able to have access to get all the way there you know so it's just interesting that here they're talking about the fact there was a plane crash but no one really is talking about the plane crash you know right it, it struck me odd that all these people are sitting in the airport, chilling out, just as if it's a normal, ordinary, waiting for their flights or waiting to pick people up. 
when the special bulletin's on. I'm like, didn't the plane just crash when? I mean, these these people are acting like nothing happened earlier that day. That's right. And we're not even talking. I mean, that happened. Uh, was it an hour ago? In, in, no, yeah, even what, even in movie time, it's less than an hour. But it's just, I don't know. So it's, it's a little strange the way that they, uh, you know, they, they sort of ignore the whole idea that something is possibly happening. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. So the the name of the the actress who plays the newscaster is Dominique Jennings, who she has. Uh, 31 credits on IMDb as an actress. Um, she was also a news reporter in the movie Seven. So, yeah, I guess I guess maybe that that's what she's good at. Uh, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's nothing else that really jumped out at me about about her uh, about her career. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, she was she she made her acting debut at the age of 11 on Sesame Street. Ooh. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's she's giving her uh uh whole thing. So it's funny what she says there's no explanations from the airport or FA officials. Okay, now what would have happened if they got in touch with the airport? The airport couldn't have answered, you know, the, can Trudeau not answer the phone? Is that the whole idea? And and then if they were to call the FAA, don't you think the FAA would try to get in touch with the airport to find out what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the the way I took it is we want to know, like, how did it crash? We're not getting any information yet. Like, nobody's telling us anything detailed. Correct. But but my point is, is that if they call the FAA and the FAA is is in the dark, they don't even know that the airport has been taken over, do they? You know, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Based on the movie, the narrative, we don't know if federal officials are ever notified that there is something else happening there besides the the plane crash. Right. Like we know that the Justice Department people know about it because they show up to meet Blue Light, and somehow they they call the Blue Light. You know, I don't know how you would do mm-hmm. that either. You know, did they call up the FAA and say we have a problem? Uh, terrorists have taken over the place get in touch with the FBI or, or I, I don't know. Again, we, we never were able to figure out who blue light really works for, you know, and who would have called them in. You know, that's what I love about doing these. You don't think about this as a flaw because the movie has you so engaged in what's happening. You don't stop for a second and go, wait, wait, how come more people aren't aware? How come, why, why are like the, why isn't the military being mobilized? You know, you've got terrorists taking over a a major airport. That's right. In Washington D.C., you know, right. which but it, it it runs afoul of the rest of the movie. If you do, yeah, of course, of course, of course. But that that's the fun of it, you know. That's the fun of. But you, you, I mean, it's it's a great point. It's it's like like I said, why are all these people just acting like no big deal? Planes drop out of the sky all the time. Let's just I'm just waiting for my next flight. We're just sitting here chilling and waiting, and it's the bulletin that's going to freak people out, not the fact that the plane just crashed. <laughs> that's right. No, because also, what, what about it? what about all the people who are waiting for the people from Windsor One One Four? You know, <laughs> about that. Right. They they may they may have a little heightened tension about that. Yes. You know, did they know that it was Windsor One One Four? Is it you know did did they notify people that that's the plane that crashed? I don't know. It's it's. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Sans clue. That's right. <laughs> I have no idea. That's right. And then they show us inside the airport itself, a TV uh, set. 
which looks larger than it probably should, even for 1990. You know, but it's it's definitely not HD. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a four by three ratio, typical tube TV. That's right. You know, and then they show us all these different shots of people just walking around, you know, walking around the airport nonchalantly, uh, you know, in the cafe, doing whatever they they can do there. Who knows? Mm-hmm. It, it it the whole thing is just very very strange. I mean, as you said, a plane just crashed less than an hour ago. Uh, you know, get yourselves moving. I, I this do, isn't something that's so simple. I want to point out, and I think it's interesting. I, I'd have to go back, but just from my recollection of his face, the the the, the insert picture they use of Thornburg, um, that looks like right after she punched him in the first movie, and he goes, "Did you get that?" You know what? I think you're right. And I'm I, like, you know, I didn't even think about that. And you, you, I think you are right about that. It's so funny to me. Like, is that an inside joke to us from the from the directors? Is it how the news, like, they pulled this as his photo from file to use for this That's right. breaking episode where he got death <laughs> well, I, on TV? I think that they ago. all, I think they all know that that Thornburg's a dick. Yeah. So you know, you might as well do it. So I, I've always thought it was funny to use that picture because it's not a flattering picture. It's not like his, you know, file photo that he would have for, you know, that, that was done for marketing in, in magazines or billboards around the community. You know, tune in for investigative reporting of Richard Thornburg. You know, no, this is him do, after he just got punched. That's right. Do, do you remember the picture that they used in the first Die Hard when they were talking on the news about Hans Gruber? It, it looked like it was a picture of Alan Rickman who had just gotten like a cup of coffee at the, uh, you know, on, on set. Right, right. It just is him uh, walking around uh, with the, with a jacket and the black and white photo, like it was taken by a, like some kind of a CIA operative, you know. That's right. Exactly. That's the way they do this. And and as we're we're about to hear Thornburg start talking, so we hear someone go, "Shh, quiet." Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then the reporter, then the the newswoman goes, and now with an exclusive WZDC report, here's Dick Thornburg reporting from the skies over Washington. And then someone screams, can you turn it up? Uh (laughs) And then he begins his diatribe and he goes, I'm one of thousands of people who have been circling our nation's capital under the assumption that whatever problem was going on far below was a normal one. But the truth is far from normal. The truth is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is this marks my. I guess when you start looking at media and a, and a character like this, I mean, you've created this hyperbolic. I'm going to exaggerate for newsworthiness. I'm going to show you what kind of you know. You just get the sense that that's who Thornburg is, and it drives me nuts today when you have news reporters who try to use a bunch of adjectives and 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 extraneous language to try to hype a news story but it almost tracks right. back to this character you know this guy i'm gonna make this not just about me it's so dangerous it's about well, i'm sorry I'm, I'm gonna make this not just about what's going on look at the danger i'm in you know makes himself part that's of the right. story that's right and we, we get to see like a whole bunch of people just sitting and watching the news one of the people that they show at the beginning actually reminded me of danny devito i know it's not him but like the one of the first people that they show there, if oh, you, if sitting you, if you there look, at the table, like uh, almost like taking a drink. Yes. Yeah. It's at second. Uh, yeah. Forty. Yeah. He's got like a red yeah. poinsettia in front of him. Yes. Yeah. 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 
Again, he he resembles, but he's not mm-hmm. obviously. You know, I just thought it was funny that then looks. And then you know, we we pan through different crowds of people that are watching the news. You know, paying attention to what Thornburg is saying, and then the the shot changes, and we're in it, somewhat of an action shot, and we hear someone say, "Look out, lady! Look out! Look out! Look out!" Look out! Look out! Get out of the way! Oh, get out of the way! Mm-hmm. You know we have we have uh, you know we see the the airport go kart you know streaming through the 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 crowd with John uh, sh- shouting while while uh, Marvin is is driving frantically you know through all these people you know and if you pay attention at the fifty eight second mark there's some guy who jumps back in a very funny way so I just thought it was uh, you know that's like an extra that that just didn't do it right. You know, like someone pulls him away and like you see his his like uh sweater or jacket is like half off as they pull mm-hmm. him backwards and stuff like that. You know, I think about <laughs> shots like this a lot from the perspective of being a filmmaker is and I haven't looked for enough con- if there's any continuity errors, there's probably a lot when you have a crowd like this because you had the shot from outside as the crowd's parting, and then you have the from behind sitting on the golf cart. So you get kind of a, a POV, but like we're almost riding in the back of the golf cart behind uh, Bruce Willis and, uh, and and our driver here. And I like watching the people like, and you know how many, these these are all either amateur stunt people or people that are like, okay, as he's coming close, just kind of jump out of the way and uh, to create that scene of the, as you mentioned at the beginning, the parting of the Red Sea of people. Yes. <laughs> that's right. In fact, they've got two and different that's how camera angles. They've got ends. one looking at our main characters from the hood of the golf cart so we get to see everybody behind them you know shouting and whatever but then we have the reverse coming forward so mm-hmm. we've got they, they took several chances uh several setups to get all these different uh takes yeah you, you think they did different takes oh, yeah. each time or you think they just no, had multiple you don't cameras see the camera on the front in the one from re- in the rear um you can see the front and the the hood of the when you, okay, if you look at the wide shot, like the, the group, there's no camera on the back. There's no camera on the front. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at, once again, right on emergency or when he's talking about, uh, you know, Thornburg, we come straight into this scene. So it's almost like the dialogue triggering the action we're seeing of an emergency. We got to get through the crowd, get clear out of the way, move out of the way. It just, it's a nice little transition from Thornburg giving his somber reporting to this event happening in the, in the, uh, Halls the airport. Right, it, it makes things move move a little faster, you know, to to to, to you know uh, raise a little bit of the suspense because he's mm-hmm. he's like honking the horn as and we see the flashing light on top and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, so it's just very interesting the way that they they do all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I like I like that I like it. So you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get to the script? Nope, that's gonna do it for me. All right, so the the script is very descriptive here. And it starts off with uh, McLean shivering, battered, trying to come down a ladder. He falls the rest of the way. And then it, it cuts to the soldiers uh, driving away. And it says, uh, you know, back to what we were talking about, uh, you know, yesterday. It says uh, the soldiers close the back of the truck and drive away. Lorenzo uh, gets in his car and gives them a thumbs up. Grant, grinning, returns it. And then it goes to the TV set, and it says a sports event is superseded by a special bulletin card. Groans, moans, camera pans, and we see we're in a bar in the airport terminal. And then the newscaster starts by saying, this is a special bulletin from WZDC News. There was a plane crash earlier this evening at Dulles, where other aircraft continue to circle 
with no explanation from airport FAA officials, now with an exclusive KLA report. Here is Dick Thornburg reporting from the skies over Washington. And then it says that gets all the sports fans' attention. Now a super of Thornburg's face comes up in the corner of the newsroom. And then he goes, Tom. So I guess in, in the script, it's supposed to be a, a male newscaster. I'm one of the thousand people who've been circling our nation's capital under the assumption that whatever problem was going on far below me was a normal one. But the truth is far from normal. The truth is terrifying. So it's pretty much the exact same uh, you know, uh, dialogue that they use there. Mm-hmm. People walking along and then jumping out of the way of a terminal emergency cart, siren and light wailing. Marvin drives, happy as hell. Besides him, in the seat usually reserved for the sicker elderly, is McLean, slowly coming back to normal from his ordeal. You know, and that's the way that uh, that it ends. Mm-hmm. You know, so, the yeah. way they describe it in the script, it would make more sense that one sports bar would be acting the way we've com- commented on. Um, it makes more sense that if it's just one bar, one area where maybe these folks are like, yeah, I heard something happen, but they're watching the game. When we have the director mm-hmm. making the choice to deviate from the script and make it look like we're sitting there through multiple areas throughout all these terminals, it's a lot harder to see why are you all so blasé. So I kind of exactly. like the way they had it set up in the script, but I also understand Benny Harland going, yeah, we need it bigger. We want it the whole airport to be like all of a sudden at once. It'll, it'll help us. It'll help us when we go to the mass chaos scene, which is obviously still to come. Right. Exactly. All right. So again, because uh, Alan is is a returning guest, so we we don't have a a special segment for that we would normally do today. But instead, maybe Alan has another story for us about something, uh, an off the beaten track story related to aviation, something that's possibly happened to, uh, you know, through the course of his life when it comes to, uh, you know, airplane and airport, something. You got any type of story for us? Yeah, I could share this. This was... um... In the whole still, quote, lockdown of COVID, this was in uh, spring of 2022, where you were still supposed to uh, mask up in the airports. I, I, I just was sitting there, and I got in line to get something to eat because we were, we were waiting for our flight. We, we were in one of the areas where there was a seating area. And the rules had been changed that if you were in the designated seating area, you didn't have to wear your mask. And as long as you were sitting there in the seating area, you were okay. fine. But if you got up to go order, you had to have one on. <laughs> and I got up from where my kids were because we were meeting them. and We were all flying out together. And I went to go get in line without my mask. And the guy's like, you can't be in line without a mask. And I was like, and I'm not joking, dude. It was no more than 10 feet from where we were seated. There was a table. There were all these tables set up, all these people. I turned around, look, I'm like, so 10 feet this way, we're safe. But me 10 feet away from that area, you're going to tell me I'm supposed to put a mask on? Look at, you've got 100 people here all eating right 10 feet from, I'm sorry, that's what the sign says. I'm like, what sign? And he points to a sticker they pasted on the wall. I'm like, that's not a sign. That's a sticker. You put a sticker on the wall. It makes no (laughs) sense. And he goes, well, you're going to, if you want to order food, you're going to have to put your mask on. I'm like, fine. And I'm like, but that's just nonsense that you guys are okay with having 100 people eating right there, 10 feet from the counter. But because I'm at the counter, you want me to do something different. 
That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And he's like, well, if you want to order, you're going to have to do it. I'm like, fine. Then all of a sudden, the lady behind me, she goes, oh, I wish more people would say it like you did because I am so sick of this stupidity. <laughs> That's the part that always bothered me. Not whether you chose to wear one, whether you believed it was going to help or not. Just you see the lunacy of, like, it's the idea of we had to deal with, well, you can't walk into a restaurant without a mask, but once you're seated, right. you're fine. It never made any sense, you know? And I'm one of those people, being in my profession, I don't have a problem calling out when I see something okay. that doesn't add that up. That makes sense. Thank you for that. Yeah, but it was just sure, a funny little sure. airport story. See the lunacy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Anyway, I'm so glad no, we're not dealing so. with that anymore. We're, we're dealing with lunacy, but, you know, different types of... But that's the world. Well, We've yeah, always been dealing I, with lunacy. It, it, you know, it's the way it all works. All right. <laughs> so, right. Alan, you want to tell people once again where they can find Alan Sanders? Well, since you introduced me with both shows, if you're interested into getting news of the day, sort of an analysis and take, you can certainly join my daily digital podcast, The Alan Sanders Show. Uh, it goes out everywhere, but uh, my main affiliate is WSB Radio in Atlanta. And then if you want to do something a little more fun and light, something like what uh, we're doing right here, my buddy Walt and I broke down two different Gene Wilder movies one minute at a time for The Wilder Ride. We turned it into a talk show during COVID, and we think we had a lot of really cool guests that those topics are pretty much always, you can go back and listen to them. So even though, yeah, we haven't recorded in a while, just check out The Wilder Ride. All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Mover a Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on what's now known as X. And you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So, until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little 